Episode 768. Now that they've released Sam Shields, the Green Bay Packers have a good idea of their needs heading into free agency. To discuss those needs, we're joined by Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. <laughs> Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking about the release of cornerback Sam Shields and free agent needs on today's episodes, and to do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog joining us on the phone. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you, Brian? Very good. What we've done for today's show is we're going through the Packers roster position by position, ranking them based upon their need, entering free agency. Scott and myself have given each our own separate hierarchy, ranking each position 1 through 11, 1 being the highest priority, 11 being the lowest. So we're going to discuss every position on the roster and where they fall on our respective lists. And and I think the appropriate spot to start today is with the cornerback, Scott. We actually learned Sam Shields was released by the Packers in the midst of our last episode on Wednesday, and we never got around to discussing it. So we're going to get to these rankings in a second. But Scott, for, just to kick things off here, what are the Packers missing in Sam Shields, and did they make the right decision? Well, the number one thing that I think they're going to be missing is is just speed. You know, the the speed that comes from a lockdown corner and can maybe get into this in just uh, just a bit. But you know, as is you assess cornerbacks and uh, as you you put together rankings as to how you'd like to, you know, see the Packers address that position. You just it was proven this year that you cannot deny how fast a guy runs in a 40. And uh, you just saw this year that the Packers got beat over the top consistently. And uh, I think you'll re- recall maybe a couple of years ago prior to the draft, I was citing that I would really like Gunter as a, as a late-round pick for the Packers. He ended up joining as an undrafted free agent. And I wholeheartedly believed that Gunter would have the technique to make up for his 4-7 speed. And though Gunter was arguably our best cornerback this year, it just wasn't good enough. Um, so, you know, the biggest thing they're going to miss from Shields, I think, is the speed on the edge and a legitimate, uh, you know, top 25 cornerback in the NFL. Um, and I guess uh, when it comes down to it, as you say, it, did they make the right decision? I absolutely feel that they did. I mean, they were strapped to this year at the position because, you know, they had had a, a huge financial investment into Shields and he wasn't able to participate so, uh, for, for more than a game. And because of it, we had this glaring hole at uh, what has become uh, one of the most crucial positions on the field besides quarterback. So, uh, you know, I I feel that they made the right decision. They freed up some cash and hopefully that cash is going to be invested back into the position this year in free agency. Yeah. They gained $9 million in cap space and, and should just take a moment. I mean, thank you to Sam Shields for all he's done for this organization, including his, contributions to a Super Bowl who can forget he really made a name for himself when he stepped in for Charles Woodson in Super Bowl XLV and became a pro bowler from there 
Uh, he really was a, a good, talented cornerback, and the Packers will miss him. But, okay, Scott, all this being said, I mean, let's start with the cornerback position in general here. Where did that fall on your list of needs for the Green Bay Packers entering free agency now that we know Shields won't be a part of it anymore? Yeah, if you're going to talk about just purely entering free agency, I would uh, I would list it as uh, it's it's still my third uh, position in the spectrum behind outside linebacker and uh, um, and uh, in tight end, but uh, um, just based purely on who is currently signed um, heading into free agency, not making any assumptions, right? At least at at the cornerback position, there is uh, three players who. Uh, um, you played extensively this year and uh, led the Packers to an NFC championship game. So is there, is there an area of opportunity for improvement? There certainly is. Um, but uh, we, we showed that we could win, uh, not the Super Bowl, but we could win at, uh, at great heights with the current group that uh, we're going to be bringing back onto the, uh, you know, onto the roster. But this team at cornerback, we're going to stick to it. Uh, you know, you do have to invest in a veteran. I really believe that. And this needs to be a year that Ted Thompson, you know, opens up the pocketbook and really looks for maybe not a top 25 cornerback, but you got to get a top 30 to top 40 cornerback that can be a true number one for you, uh, you know, to, to, to enter into week one. This team just cannot afford to go into next year, uh, depending on uh, Gunter and Randall being, uh, you know, the, the, the starting corners on the on the perimeter with Rollins on the in, in the in the slot, you know, and I have a lost hope that Randall and Rollins can be what I think, you know, you and I both thought they would be just, you know, five short months ago. I, I haven't lost that hope. Right. Like, but the reality is, is we're two years in and uh, in, in both years, they've, they've both showed the, a little bit of a, a, a that they're, they're fragile a little bit in that they've both been banged up and not able to be depended on for a 16 game stretch. And, you know, when they've been played, nicked up, they've showed that uh, they haven't necessarily been able to play out as a peak performer. So I certainly believe that uh, cornerback is a, a heavy emphasis in a, and the number one spot that we should invest in, uh, invest money on uh, from an outside resource, if you will. Um, but uh, I do envision outside linebacker and tight end as um, our, as the current roster stands, as our number one and two positions that we do need to make investments. And I'd like to also echo what you said about Shields. Like, huge gratitude to his performance as a Packer. Sammy Swag will forever live in my memory as a guy that has dropped Trump card forever um, uh, for the Green Bay Packers over uh, the Chicago Bears with his two interceptions <laughs> in the NFC Championship game where we, uh, we were able to bring the Hallis Trophy to the visitors' locker room and uh, bring the Packers to the Super Bowl. And Shields was the guy that had the game-clinching interception there. So uh, I echo your words. Cheers to Sammy Swagger. Um, to, uh, to get back to my ranking here, uh, I got a lot to say on the cornerback position, I guess. Um, uh, I'm exactly the exact same spot as you. It, it ranks number three on my needs list for the Green Bay Packers entering the offseason. And, and, and keep in mind, this is, this is entering free agency, not knowing whether the Packers will or will not re-sign Jared Cook. We think they will, but I mean, that, that's influencing our decision right now. Just if you're out there and you're confused, right now we're assuming he's not a, you know, he's not a Green Bay Packer, and that's why tight end might be higher on Scott's list. 
But so I, I've got cornerback number three as well. And, and I think the Packers need help there uh, because Sam Shields is gone. I kind of wonder um, a little bit. You said you think the Packers got to go and get a veteran. I sit here and look at one of the deepest positions in this year's NFL draft and wonder if the Packers could once again go after a first-round cornerback or even in the second or third rounds because the position is so deep. You're getting a guy who might have been drafted even higher you know, in, in other years, but because it's so deep, that's you might get a good guy fall to you in the second or the third round. I, you know, I'm not really that concerned how the Packers address the position, whether it's a high round draft pick, whether it's a veteran, they just need help. My, my stance on it is this is, you know, what I think a lot of people might think cornerback is, Oh, number one on their list after watching the season. Why is it not number one on my list? Why is it not number one on Scott's? Because they've got these guys under contract, Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, uh, Ladarius Gunter, and not just them, <laughs> Dimitri Goodson, Josh Hawkins, uh, McIntyre Dorleon, one or two of these guys is going to step up here in, in 2017. I'm not saying all of them are going to step up, but odds are, you, you know, one of these guys are going to. I so hope it's Demarius Randall. Uh, guy is so super uber supremely talented you see this in the interceptions and the ball the plays he's made on the ball but dude has got to get a clue and start doing the little things well that makes you be a good player in the NFL he's way too loosey-goosey he's way too you know a lot of people have pointed out he's not like set at this at the start of the snap and ready and he's got to get that through his skull, and maybe it will after this year. A lot of people have compared him to Devontae Adams. Don't give up on him um, in terms of a guy who had a bad year but is capable of turning it around. Um, so there, there, Scott, is a lot of thoughts on the cornerback position. Are you ready to risk the 2017 season by going into the, to, to the year uh, with the potential vulnerability in the secondary, especially on the perimeter that we showed this year. And, and that, I think, is the biggest question, Ryan, because I, I feel that, uh, you, know, in, in, you know, when you look at the wide receiver position and the concerns that we really had last year, and I think they're comparable to this year, what changed that position is, yes, Devontae Adams like, elevated to a new level, but, but maybe Devontae's Adams' ability to elevate to the new level is getting Jordy Nelson back and having somebody on the other side that they had to pay attention to. And I think we need that same sort of impact on, uh, on the cornerback position. And I, uh, I, I think we need a Jordy Nelson-type player in the secondary at corner. And uh, I agree with you. I, I, want, I want the Packers to draft maybe not just one, but potentially two of our first three picks to be a corner because there is so much depth there. And I want next year us to be talking when it's July about the prospect of the Packers keeping six to potentially seven cornerbacks as we were talking about wide receiver this year. Um, and uh, in questioning whether we're ready to give up on a guy like Rollins, right? Like that's the way I want to be thinking in five or six months. And I do not want to be staring um, you know, at an off season next year, we're just like, darn it. Why did we not invest in cornerback? Why, why did we give up 400 yards in, you know, an NFC divisional or NFC championship game? And I think that if we were honest with ourselves, 
we looked at the Packers' chances of being able to win the Super Bowl going into the uh, going into the playoffs. The one way we were going to lose was exactly the way we did, where if we just uh, faced a team that we just could not stop because of poor secondary play. And I think if you looked at the past couple of years when we haven't won won games, it's largely been because of secondary deficiencies. And you saw that against the Giants back in 2011. Uh, you saw it uh, uh, against Arizona two years ago, and then you see it. Uh, you see it this year. So you know, it's like uh, fool me once, you, you get it, but fool me twice. Shame on, shame on me. Yeah. And uh, I would really hate to be staring at uh, a third year in a row where the Packers are losing a game because we're giving up more than 40 points and just playing with an an inefficient secondary. And I, I think because of that, um, you know, this this can be a year that we really invest in cornerback in the off season. All right. Elsewhere in the secondary, the safety position may be almost the exact opposite in terms of need. We probably don't have to discuss this at at length as much as we did the cornerbacks, but Scott, where is safety fall on your list? I got it as ninth. I I agree with you. I think that, you know, we've got four guys that, uh, that legitimately uh, belong in the NFL. And uh, I really was encouraged by, Evans and Bryce in the preseason last year, and even would uh, would think that they're they're both maybe worthy of uh, of getting a shot at playing time. And it wondered, maybe wonder almost if uh, you could approach Burnett about a uh, potential pay cut uh, to try and free up some money. I doubt that that'll happen in the last year of a contract, but it it made me wonder. And uh, you know, I would have loved to see Bryce and Evans. Uh, who both had opportunities uh, to to finish plays in the playoffs, both failed to do so. Uh, but, you know, they, they play with great uh, speed. They play with great a- athleticism. And because of that, you just have to, you know, be optimistic about their prospect of the future. Yeah, uh, because it's such a low need. And, in fact, I've got this one dead last on my list, number 11 in terms of need, just because all these guys are under contract. They're all relatively young. I mean, Burnett isn't, but, I mean, you you could sit there and look. Maybe Kentrell Bryce is the eventual successor to Morgan Burnett, and I think they're fine. I think the Packers can afford this year to simply look for safeties in undrafted free agency and try to get the best thing there uh, for a little depth. Uh, But working our way through the the roster here, I guess we're going from, from the back end of the defense to the front. Let's go with inside linebacker, Scott. Where's that fall on your list? I think that a lot of it uh, depends on where they, where they play Clay Matthews next year. And uh, you know, is Clay Matthews going to be a $15 million um, outside linebacker that plays eight games, or is he going to be a difference making inside linebacker at $15 million a year, which is roughly three times what he should be getting paid if he's there. But uh, uh, regardless, I, I just really believe that this stage that inside linebacker is the, 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 the fourth most important uh, position, whether clay is that inside linebacker or not. And when you looked at this position this year, you know, we, we saw, that you know, Joe Thomas is not an extraordinary talent, but for a large part of our run towards the end of the year, he was our best linebacker on the inside, and that's just simply because he was fastest. Mm. He re- he was able to recognize and diagnose plays, and he had the speed to be able to finish the play. And I, I think with Martinez and Ryan, we 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 lacked that. So I, you you see what the the Falcons run and so it was, and so much has been made about the speed that they had on defense. You know, we've been trying to replace Desmond Bishop since the day he left 
And uh, though Desmond Bishop didn't didn't run fast in a 40, he played with speed. And the Packers need that same sort of impact player this year on the inside. And uh, it, it needs to be a focus of the offseason, um, in, uh, in my opinion. I am high on Blake Martinez. Uh, I know he was obviously hampered by the injury there toward the end of the year. But actually, if you go back and look at the last the Atlanta game, and he starts getting some playing time there at the end, he is out there busting his ass when the rest of the team is given up. And I I just like what he did coming into the year as a rookie, and I think he's really going to develop. Uh, inside linebackers, number four on my list, I think. He, was it four on your list, too? Four on my list. Four. Yeah. four we're, we're exactly – I think we're, ours is going to be pretty identical here. Um, but I do think, once again – they don't have a true difference maker at inside linebacker, and it's been that way since they lost Desmond Bishop, and I don't know whether the Packers are going to address it or not high in the draft. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they'd invest a first or a second-round choice into this position and get a guy like Zach Cunningham of of Vanderbilt. I, I mean, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. I don't even know if he'll be available when the Packers draft. We'll have to see about that, but... Um, it could definitely use a difference maker and a guy who's a three down player out there on the field. All right. Outside linebacker, Scott, where's it fall on your list? I have it as number one. Um, you know, at this stage you're, you're entering in with basically Tyler Fackrell and, and, uh, uh Clay Matthews as your outside linebackers. And, uh, we're just very vulnerable there. And if we're going to remain in a three, four defense, the, the pillar of the three, four defense really is performance from the outside linebacker position. And when our our when our three four defense has been at its best, we've just had playmakers that you know uh, performing at high levels as outside linebacker. I think that you need to bring back Nick Perry, um, and then I, I do think that you you need to invest a high round draft pick. Um, I, I, you know, I said earlier that I would like to see two of the first three picks be corners, and I'd like to see the other one be an outside linebacker. And, uh, you know, Perry this year was just a, 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 re- a real star um, at outside linebacker. And, and because of that, I think he's worth eight to uh, to nine million dollars this year in, uh, in free agency and ensuring that he's locked up on uh, on one edge. And, you know, really showed this year that he was able to stay healthy. Uh, he was a, a rock as a run stopper and uh, also was a uh, was able to get to the quarterback uh um, you know, on key plays. So he has to be brought back. And I think that investing at outside linebacker is going to be the most crucial uh, uh, component to this, uh, um, to, uh, to building a defense this year. Yeah. Uh, it's number one on my list too, because not only is Nick Perry, a free agent, probably most likely gone is going to be Julius Peppers. If he comes back, it would be on a one-year contract even that is far from guaranteed. In fact, it's probably less likely than more likely. Um, but he's gone. Dayton Jones is a free agent. It could be a coin flip whether he's going to be back. So you add all these things up. It's a huge need. I certainly wouldn't mind at all if the Packers invest in outside linebacker in the first two days of the NFL draft. I think TJ Watt is a name to watch. Um, for, from the, the, you know, the home state guy, but I mean, obviously they're, everybody knows the bloodlines and, and how 
his brother JJ was a late developer and TJ looks to be falling right in, you know, falling into place the, the exact same way as a guy who's coming on late in his college career, but could still be a very good NFL player. Uh, once again, I'm getting ahead of myself here before we even know where these guys are going to come off the board, but a uh, huge need for the Green Bay Packers uh, with with very few sure things on the roster coming back. E- even J. Ron Elliott is a restricted free agent this offseason. Uh, he very well could be back, but just no guarantees. All right, Scott, defensive line. I've got defensive line as number six. I was really encouraged by the play of Kenny Clark as the season progressed. Um, you know, Daniels is a beast there. They're oftentimes in just two down linemen formations would potentially like to see them add um, that, uh, that tall big figure defensive end in a three, four potentially late in the draft, a developmental guy uh, was encouraged by uh, what Lowry brought to the table towards the end of the year as well. He's, but they do need to get somebody that's just going to be a strong, uh, end to uh, to really hold the point where you know you lose Pinnell, um and uh, I think that they're they're gonna at some point late in this draft or, or mid to late rounds need to invest in a in a defensive end. It's a low lower priority compared to the other things that we've discussed, but do think that there's a, there's certainly room to uh, to add a body um, at some point when we get to the draft. Yeah, it came in number eight on my list. Uh, just uh, you're simply looking for depth. You're not looking for starters here, at least not immediately. Anybody you're going to get could be a starter down the line. Hopefully, you hope you you strike it rich on a guy for in a mid to late round prospect. But yeah, uh, I think you're just looking for the Mike Pennell replacement. Um, a, a big-bodied defender that maybe you know could play both end and tackle and, and kind of be that versatile kind of guy. All right, so we've we've gone through defense, Scott. Offense. Where does offensive line rank on your list? I've got it as number f- number five, and it's only because of the uncertainty with T.J. Lang. We got a big decision there. I I, I think it's the toughest decision that they have to make if he's going to be. You know, a seven to eight million dollar guard. I don't think you can afford it. Uh, a five a five million dollar guard is uh, is very expensive, especially when you're paying, you know, roughly nineteen million dollars for your tackles, and you, you're giving a couple million dollars to Lane Taylor as well. Um, so you're really investing in in offensive line more than anybody else, right? But the the reality is, is you do have to look at the demise of the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos and where they did not invest money was on the offensive line. And because of it, the offensive line was their reason for uh, um, being a huge stumbling block. And I'm not of the belief that today that uh, Spriggs is ready to be a guard. Um, he seems slow off the ball. Um, I'm hopeful that, that that's the sort of thing that can uh, he can improve on as, as time goes along. But uh, not really willing to uh, – to, uh, um, you know, to, to, to risk the health of Aaron Rodgers. And I think that we saw at the end of 2015 when we were really banged up in the offensive line, just how vulnerable we became as a franchise. So I, I think that they've got a really tough decision uh, uh, to make on TJ Lang. If he's willing to come back at $5 million a year or five and change, I think we need to do it. And I, and, and I would love it if he'd give us sort of a hometown discount to be able to protect you know, the two-time MVP quarterback. But 
I, uh, um, I, I really think that's an important decision and, and maybe the toughest decision that Ted Thompson will have to make this offseason. Yeah, uh, you just stole a lot of my thoughts. I'll just I'll just throw this out there. If T.J. Lang doesn't come back, I agree. Jason uh, Spriggs is not a guard. I think the Packers would have to kick Brian Balaga into inside to guard, which would be big too, because he's he's never really played that. He's been a, a tackle his entire career, but I just think he's bigger boned, bigger bodied that he would have to handle that, and then you put the more athletic Spriggs out on the edge. Um, I think that's the way it would have to go, but obviously uh, you bring TJ Lang back, and the point is moot. Um, So we'll see what happens. Um, All right, uh, Scott, running backs. Um, You know, I got running backs number seven. One last point on that uh, that, uh, guard thing. Interested to see if they use Murphy at all at guard this year. That's going to be something to see. True. Yeah. Good point. If, if, uh, you know, depending on what happens with Lane. I got running backs at number seven. Um, You know, we've seen it's become sort of a dime a dozen position in the NFL. Uh, I think that with Montgomery and Ripkowski, we've got a, uh, uh, the infancy stages of something. And I would say that running back needs to be a spot in which we have as an inexpensive position on the roster so that we can load up this defense. And because of it, I think that the Eddie Lacy thing becomes really interesting. I don't think I'd extend Lacy any more than a one-year deal. And I'm coming at Lacy with $2 million or change um, as, as a top. You start hearing people talk about 4 to $5 million at Lacy. No way the Packers can afford to do yeah. that. And uh, on the same light, I think that you got to bring back Christine Michael. I thought that Michael showed enough. He added, he added juice to this roster. And when he brought a spark to this offense at times of need on occasion, I know that there were some – you know, brain mistakes where he was running the wrong way. But I just really think that sort of thing could be um, remedied with an offseason in a training camp in Green Bay. And I think you can get him for less than a million dollars. And uh, it just seems like a cost-effective solution to be able to bring Michael in as your uh, number two running back. And then you give up maybe a mid to late round draft pick. And there's your core of running backs for very inexpensive heading into next year. Man, I, I – First of all, running back is my number five position. Um, I do have to say I disagree with Christine Michael. Uh, I just uh, he makes too many mistakes for me. Um, I, I think you thank him for what he did, and but just move on here and, and you bring in. You know, I, I you hope that Don Jackson maybe can can be more consistent. Even though I know Michael can kind kind of provides that home run threat. Uh, maybe you get somebody else, uh, but yeah, with, with, you know, basically Ty Montgomery is the only guy under contract. Eddie Lacy's obviously a free agent. And then these other guys are, you know, restricted or exclusive rights. And yeah, they'll probably Don Jackson will very likely be back. Cause it's not a big deal that you're an exclusive rights free agent. Uh, but they might move on from John Crockett. I've heard. Um, so you got to bring a guy in at some point and, and it becomes an even bigger, priority if they do not sign Eddie Lacy obviously then then you may have to invest in somebody in the NFL draft uh Scott tight end I've got tight end as number two the Packers need to re-sign Jared Cook and I think that the number one element to us being a Super Bowl contender is uh you know the two-time MVP playing at an MVP level and uh, we need to continue to give him and just an absolute embarrassment of riches at the playmaking positions and you know cook is a is a guy that uh, certainly aided in uh, 
Rodgers' epic run to complete the season. And uh, in addition to Cook, I also would add a, a, a tight end in the mid-rounds of this draft as well. Um, and uh, maybe just a guy that is going to be um, a, a real fortifiable and strong blocking tight end and uh, a guy that acts as maybe a, a sixth offensive lineman uh, in the mold. I, you know, I oftentimes use the name Tom Crabtree. You brought him in and he was, he was going to win his blocking battle. And he was also dangerous enough to be able to get in the flat. He had sure hands and uh, didn't necessarily have the speed to break one long. Um, but you know, he could, uh, um, you know, he could, he could, he caught everything that was thrown to him and he always fell forward. And I think that uh, that's the sort of thing that I think the Packers could really utilize or, or need um, in the, this year's draft as an, an addition. Yeah, uh, to, to to make note of it here, we are in agreement in the first four spots of the needs of the Green Bay Packers. Tight end is my number two need as well, so we agree. Outside linebackers is the top priority. Tight ends two, cornerbacks three, inside linebackers four. We differ from there, but we're in agreement on all the highest needs for the Green Bay Packers. And just to add to what you said, I think Richard Rodgers is a number three tight end at best. You, if there's an injury, you can get away with him as your number two, as the Packers did this year. Um, uh, I, I got a feeling the Packers will, you know, place too much emphasis into his, you know, roster security. Uh, but I think he's a number three tight end, and they could improve there via the NFL draft. Um, Scott, wide receivers? I've got wide receiver as number eight. Uh, you know, you got to love it with uh, Adams and Allison, Nelson, Cobb. You got four guys there that you really just, uh, they're, they're fantastic football players. Um, you know, you, you look at uh, a guy like Janice, whose uh, impact that he makes as a gunner. And I know he started off slow this year, but really showed himself well towards the end of the year. Maybe you bring somebody in to compete with, uh, as an undrafted free agent, you bring somebody in to compete with uh, Allison, or not Allison, but Janice and Davis for a, for a potential, you know, last wide receiver spot, if it's going to be number five or number six, whatever it's going to be. But really like who we've got, uh, you know, entering next year. And I think the only additions you need to make would be as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I got his number seven. I kind of am of the thought that you can never have enough wide receivers just because you carry so many on the roster. Um, but, yeah, not a high priority. Scott, quarterbacks? I got that as number 11. I think that you feel very comfortable um, with uh, with the top three guys. And, uh, you know, we, we seem to just love Callahan more than the rest of the league. And uh, because we've got such a, um affinity for him, you know, he'll be our number three guy entering uh, uh, next year. So um, and he's either going to be a practice squad guy or we'll decide to keep number th- or three quarterbacks as we did to start this season. I just see that position is already being carved out. Yeah, I think so too. I wonder if maybe the surprise of all surprises, they trade Brett Hundley this off season, in which case that would become a bigger need. I don't see that as a likely scenario but maybe we're surprised by everyone and, and they're, they're motivated by the fact maybe they, maybe they could get, you know, a little bit more now if you trade him with two years left on his contract, as opposed to one, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm just throwing it out there. Finally, Scott, special teams, what do they need anything there? Uh, maybe somebody to compete with Shum who actually really did well towards the end of last year after a, sl- a slow shaky start. 
Um, but otherwise, you know, I got that number 10. Um, you know, maybe you bring somebody in to, to compete with Shum, but uh, if not, you know, Crosby's your guy, and uh, um, I think we're in a, a decent spot as specialists. Yeah, and they've already brought in a long snapper to compete with Goods, a free agent, so we don't know whether he'll be back or not. So uh, it's number nine on my list. Um, but yeah, that does it, Scott. Uh, it's past nine o'clock. I know you got to go. Uh, thanks for chatting, and uh, we'll talk to you next month. Go Pack, O'Brien. Scott McKenna, the Talking Smack Blog, joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. He joins us the second Friday of every month here on the show for his monthly engagement. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? Some quick segments here as we've already chatted for more than a half hour. But the one thing in Packers news I wanted to pass along uh, that just kind of came about over the past 24 hours. The Packers have added a new member to their coaching staff, replacing Ajiro Evero as defensive quality control coach. While the team has yet to confirm it, uh, the University of Illinois has. uh, On their website, they uh, announced that Tim McGarrigal has left the University of Illinois. Uh, He was a linebackers coach to join the Green Bay Packers. Uh, So he'll take over that vacated spot on the defensive staff. Uh, But yeah, just kind of interesting here. Uh, Tim McGarrigal from the University of Illinois. Um, uh, Think about the talent he was surrounded by on that coaching staff of Illinois um, on the defensive side of the football. Hopefully he's absorbed some of that because, of course, the head coach at Illinois was Lovey Smith, the defensive mastermind. And the defensive coordinator, former Packers linebacker Hardy Nickerson, you hope that McGarrigal absorbs some of that um, and is going to bring that to the Green Bay Packers as obviously he's going to be low on the totem pole, uh, but um, the newest member of the Green Bay Packers. So wanted to pass that along. That's the Packers news you may or may not have heard lately. That leads us to the day ahead. All right, Aaron Rodgers is in a tie for 28th place in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Six strokes off the lead, but still with four holes to play as of yesterday. The first round was suspended by rain, uh, but even so, that's 28th out of 156 groups out there. So not too shabby by Rodgers and playing partner uh, Jerry Kelly, the professional golfer from Wisconsin. Uh, They continue play today and through the rest of the weekend. Television coverage on Friday is on NBC's Golf Channel, while on the weekend it also airs on NBC's flagship network. So you should be able to catch the Packers quarterback in a competitive environment this weekend. Um, Then, over the, not Friday, but Saturday here, the first of the NFL's regional combines takes place. So on Saturday, February 11th, the first one takes place in Seattle, Washington. I'm under the assumption the Packers will have a scout in attendance at the event, but that's nothing I can confirm. The team doesn't publicize which events they send scouts to and which they don't. But at the very least, the league does publicize that the results of the combine, including video, are in a database accessible by all 32 NFL teams. So the Packers will have access, whether virtual or in person, 
the NFL regional combines are for players not invited to the national scouting combine. And, and while you may think, well, all the good players are at the national combine, remember that Packers quarterback Joe Callahan was the type of player that uh, took part in a regional combine. Uh, so just keep that in mind, uh, that there are players on the roster who have gone this route, and uh, that's that's why they hold these things. Uh, not not everybody can go to the main combine, but you're still looking for those those kind of guys to fill out the roster that you're you're trying to find them the the right one that fits what you're looking for. And the Packers found that last year in Joe Callahan. And they've signed some guys over the years who maybe not have quite made it, but have been training camp kind of guys who've gone to the regional combine. Uh, so the, the the quest continues to find uh, the diamond in the rough kind of guys. But that does it for today's show, everybody. My um, call to action. Today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar, looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. Please give us a follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash Madison. That's spelled B-I-E-R-O-C-K, Madison, like the city where I live. Um, we're not open yet, but we're looking to get word out on social media ahead of time. I think that's the appropriate thing to do. So thanks a lot, uh, those of you who have done that. Uh, we're looking to get to 100 likes on both Twitter and Facebook, so give us a follow. And uh, that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiruvu. Uh We'll talk to you Monday, folks. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, which is the live edition, podcasted and on demand later in the day. I leave you today with a song called All My Life by DJ Harry on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. Go.